morning, everyone. So, uh, as Andrew just said, so Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and I'll, I'll pray before we read. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity to um, come before you and um, to read your word. We thank you for um, your Bible, the, the message that you pass on to us through, through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you will help us to pay attention, be um, alert and to listen to Andrew as he brings your message to in Jesus' name, amen. So this is titled, By Grace, By Grace Through Faith. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, you were want, in, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were, na were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Here is the reading. Thanks, Luke. So we've been um, uh, we've been doing a kind of a mini series um, in the last little while on hot topics. There things that that you we asked you earlier in the year. What would you like us to speak on? What would you like to hear a little more about? Or um, yeah, how what would you like to address? And um, we gathered some of those and we said we'd preach for six weeks on hot topics and we've had a number of hot topics. We've talked about marriage and family, uh, we've talked about politics and debate. Last week we had Glenn share with us about the Holy Spirit. We had, um, we had Joel kick us off with rules of engagement before we even headed into to know how to handle them. Um, and today we have life balance or busyness. We also had people ask about um, the reform distinctives. We are... We are going to speak on those. Um, we're going to combine it in October. It's a 500-year celebration of the Reformation, so we thought that would be a great time to do a series of five on the five solars or the five distinctives, reform distinctives. But today we are um, doing work-life balance or busyness, and I just want to... Um, I've got a bit of a mishmash of a conversation here that, I, that I'm, I'm just going to share with you. Um, and... Um, you know, so to just go along with me here, it's you know, this, these are a few conversations that I've heard, a mishmash of a few conversations. So, it's Monday, and I am so busy at the moment. Just this week looks crazy. I have to work every day this week. I mean, like five days. I've got to talk to the boss about that. One point five day a week. I have so many catch ups this week too, Sarah. 
She was my bestie in year seven. We, we still meet every two weeks to catch up on each other's lives. Then I've got girls' night on Wednesday night, and it's been ages since we caught up. I think it's probably at least 10 days or so. So Then I have life group on Monday. <sighs> Boy, that's happening every two weeks nowadays. I really should study, though, as I've got a really big exam coming up. And I heard a whisper that Jodie's engaged and she's around, so I might just have to sneak out for a quick coffee with her. But I mostly study. I tell you, though, young adults is really busy. Life groups, then there's grow groups. Oh, and this week we've got Cavell. I'm sure we've done that this year already, haven't we? Hmm. I'm going to have to be late because I can't leave work early. And it's five bucks for food contribution. Five or six bucks. That's a lot of money for a part-timer like me. Specialists have got to fork out for the game on Friday night, Victory versus Melbourne City with the boys. The beer and chips at $8 a piece is getting a bit high. I might have to pair it back to one of each this time. And with the entry price, that gets a bit steep. But hey, a good night's going to cost a bit and you have to relax, don't you? But I do have to save. I really am trying to save because I've got that 15-day Vietnam trek to pay for. Can't wait. Everyone's got to have a holiday, right? You know, the Contiki trip through Europe last year was great, but that was so long ago. You have to get away occasionally, right? And a small holiday is not too much to want, is it? Mum said the other day that they used to go to Inverloch for two weeks every year. Inverloch. Really? How is that going to look on my Instagram feed? <laughs> oh, look! Beach! How exciting is that? Wednesday night, I've got training, but my girlfriend wants to catch up. She is wanting to catch up once a week these days. She must think I'm Superman. The coach says if I don't train, I can't play. <sighs> Does he even know talent when he sees it? Anyway, I've got boys' night too after, uh, after that because we haven't hung out since last week either. And, and oh, Thursday night's family dinner. See what I mean? It's so busy. And it's mum's birthday, so I kind of have to go. I think it's a conspiracy to keep me busy because she's starting to do this every year. Then Saturday, we have three parties we just have to go to. We might just have to drop into them a little bit. It's going to be a long night. One of them is my girlfriend's brother's girlfriend's party. There's 150 or more coming, I heard, but we'll be missed if we don't show up, I reckon. You've got to keep up with those close relationships, I reckon. And then there's church. I'm not sure I'll be able to make it after, that, after this kind of week and, and Saturday night. And we have Generate, and they're asking for people to help set up. I'd love to help but I need to rest too. When else am I going to take time out? Yeah, that church. There's always things I need to attend there. They've always got something. There's that seminar they want us to go to on a biblical view of organizing your life. I don't have time for that. Why can't they do events that might actually help me in the things that I'm going to do? My quiet time is interrupted every morning, mostly by the alarm, real quiet. I try to get to church at least a few times a month um, and then the extra church meetings, I don't get to them. Well, I am pretty busy 
And they send around the notes by email, don't they? Note to self, check your email, it's been three months. And then they send those pledge forms around again, you know those things they send around every year? Look, I know that they need money, but so do I. I don't always pass the bag on without putting anything in it. Okay, maybe mostly I do. But I'm young and I'm not earning that much and I've got bills to pay. What's that saying again about God having all the money in the world anyway? Surely there's enough older people to make sure there's enough in the church. When I get settled, I'll do it then. Besides, the pastors are still there. There's coffee at church and it all seems to be working, so I guess it's okay, right? I better get off Facebook and start my week. It's 10 a.m. You know why we laugh at things like that? I could have written this, you know, disclaimer. You know, seriously, this is a disclaimer that I've, this, most of this stuff I've actually heard. I might have exaggerated for the movie version of this a little bit. But this is the sort of stuff I heard. But I could have written, and in my mind, I wrote the same kind of thing for each generation. You know, I've got to take the kids to soccer, to ballet, to, to this, to, you know, to that, to their swimming lessons, to their, you know, and all in one night. And I've got to work late because, you know, I'll get that promotion and I'll get out of this puny little four-bedroom house and get into the five-bedroom house and I'll have, you know, we could, we could go on. We could do this for any generation. But I picked on the young people because I hang out with them and they can take it. But there's elements in tr of truth in that in all. If we're really honest, we listen to that and we think, yeah. There's one thing we hear more than anything these days. It's this, I am so busy. Even in churches, in fact, it's almost a good thing in churches, or we think it's a good thing. It's especially religious and to be good in busy in ministry life. You know, someone, you don't want to sort of say, you know, if you're, the, if you're a, a, a pastor or a church worker like me, and someone comes up and says, you know, how are you going? Oh, I haven't got much on. That's not going to look real good, is it? So we like to say, oh, we're really busy. You know, we're, we're, it almost seems like the right thing to say. I'm so busy. How do I fit everything in? How do I balance my life? Why do I seem to be so busy all the time? Is busy bad? Jesus was busy at times, right? Is there a good busy and a bad busy? And all those sorts of questions go through our mind. What's going on? Are we too busy do we have too much on does the world or our church or even god ask too much of us who or what is most important you know we have this saying that busyness is a myth and i was thinking about that because i've often used that you know it's not a myth it's not at all a myth we are busy no we are we are busy it's what we're busy with isn't it you know, and just like the other um, hot topics, <laughs> this one's way too big to handle in, in, in a few minutes in a sermon. But I just want to say two or three things. I just want to bring forward a couple of things that might help us. And the clue um, to what I want to talk about, or the way I want to handle it, is right at the end of the text that Luke read for us. You know, where the last verse, I think it is, if you look at the last verse, is verse 10 where um, Luke, two, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, for it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
that we are God's workmanship, that we are here to do the things that He prepared. And so I just want to say a couple of things. The first, thing I want to t- first point I want to talk about is that we belong to God for His purposes. And we really need to get this. If anything, this is probably the, the biggest point or the most important point that, that I want us to understand this morning. That we need to re-understand our purpose and God's calling on our life. This is probably the biggest issue. At times, we have misinterpreted expectations. We've switched God's expectations for our life. We've switched God's idea for our life with human expectations. And those human expectations are our own, but they're also from other people around us. We mix up our ideas of life achievements with those that God had and has for us. Jesus was very busy, really busy at times, wasn't he? But he knew what he was to achieve with his life. He knew why he was here. Jesus understood that he was on earth to do the work that his father had prepared for him to do. He knew that he was here because he was sent by his father to do something specific. He was busy, but we never get the sense, do we, that he felt over busy. That he felt, you know, there was never a time when he says, guys, we've got a lot on. You never read that. You never see that. He was busy, but he never felt over busy. Tired? Yes, he did. He needed a break. You can remember where he was tired and he needed to pull away and he he fell asleep in the boat. But never, I'm so busy. He knew what he was to accomplish. It was who he was and what he did. His life was centered around something and someone, a purpose, and someone even bigger than himself. His, his reason for being here is he was centered around something way bigger than himself. God, his Father. I found this quote this week, and I thought I'll pop it up for us to read. So can you read that? If not, I'm going to read it out loud anyway. When we figured out that we are his workmanship and we're just doing the work he's designed us and called us to do, it's much less stressful and less demanding. Why? It isn't work at all. It's who we are and what we are to do. This is what can happen when we center our schedule and our lives around something and someone greater. A greater purpose for our existence and time. Who we are doesn't switch on on or off day to day. We don't compartmentalize who we are Sunday and then turn another switch on Monday through Friday. To do this requires a bit of self-assessment. We must focus on what we're really trying to accomplish and then determine if our current actions truly contribute to meeting those goals. Let me read that last bit again. We must focus on what we are really trying to accomplish, what we're really supposed to do with life, and then determine if our current actions, the things that are captivating us and keeping us busy, truly contribute to meeting those goals. Well, that was a really interesting quote. See, each one of us, we, each one of us have what I would call a meta-calling. A meta calling, a large calling, a the big picture call. Each one of us has a big picture call in our lives. We live, and that is, we live to be in a love relationship with God, bringing glory to Him by making Him known on earth, in and through our lives. So that's the major calling. Our main meta calling, if you like, for each one of us is to live in a love relationship with God, 
and then live for him in this world, making him known through our lives. And every other calling, every, everything else fits into that meta-calling. When we lose sight of this, we quickly fill our life with our own callings and our own purposes, etc. We begin to mix up God's life goals for our life goals with our own. You know, what am I supposed to achieve in life? What do I want in life? What do I want for my kids, for my future? What do I have a right to in this life? What should I be able to have or do or be? What, 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 is, what, what do I think the end game is? Or, or what do I determine the outcomes are of my efforts? How do I benefit from this? And those are the things that creep in. And we begin having growing this misguided sense of self-importance. That we've become the central figure in our lives. That, that we've become the one that has to get everything done. Or that has to achieve everything. You know, this, ha- this whole misguided sense of self-importance becomes a thing that feeds this purpose and calling. And this is actually a bit more about a misguided sense of identity and where we get our identity from, and that's another sermon. But it leads us to try to be all things to all people forever. We've got to, we've got to be all things. We've got to maintain all things. Where I simply must stay in touch with everyone. You know, FOMO comes out of there. Those of you that, those of you that are above 25 and don't know what FOMO is, fear of missing out. That's a thing nowadays, you know. If, you know, you get this sense of FOMO, if I'm not there, if I miss that party, something might have happened or if I miss that event. I need to be there. I need to experience everything. I need adventure, I need travel. I, the I just gets in there all the time. Slowly but surely, we begin to allow the world to shape us. We begin to conform more to the world than to the kingdom. And, and Romans 12 talks about that, and I, I popped that up there. I think it's the next slide, Caleb, if we can find there where Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. You see, when, when I get in the way, when we begin to lose sight of that meta-calling, we begin to fill it with our own bits and pieces and our own busyness and our own desire. That, and that big I comes in there. And then we begin to conform to what the world tells us. Our information comes from the world instead of that understanding that I belong to God. You know, Lord's Day 1 says that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That is for you guys over 25. And you guys under 25 read Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 1. It says, that's my only comfort in life, that I'm not my own because I can't do it. I will mess it up. Big questions to ask at all stages of life. Why am I here? We belong to God for His purposes. Who am I here for and why am I here? We belong to God to live here on earth for His purposes. You know, and it's interesting because Jesus said, didn't He, that His yoke, His task, His calling wasn't going to be too heavy to bear. When we were carrying His yoke, we didn't have to run around out of balance with our lives or or feeling over busy, that it was going to be okay. He said that to us, didn't He? 
So we might be busy at times, but we can do it if, and this is the next point, if we understand balance and understand seasons. Understanding balance and understanding seasons. This is important. As I said before, Jesus was busy. He had times where he was flat out with people all around him. And he could preach for ages, couldn't he? He could get up and preach for, what, what was one of them, you know, a couple of days, three days, you know. The prep would kill me. I'd be so busy. Clearly he didn't need preparation. It just came to him like that, you know. Can you imagine that? He was pretty busy. He had seasons or times where he had to focus more on one thing whilst leaving others behind a bit, didn't he? Do you remember he stayed behind at the temple when he was 12 instead of travelling with his family? You know, and stressed his mum and dad out. You know, where's Jesus? You can imagine, you know, you see that on the news sometimes where a mother loses a child in a, in a mall or something like that, you know. The panic, where's Jesus? We're going, you know, we're coming back from the temple with all the, where's Jesus? What did he say to them when, when they did finally find him? I had to be here. I had to be doing what my father called me to do right now. You know, and he was preaching once. He was in a house talking and, and he was, someone said to him, Hey, Jesus, your family's here. Your mum and your brothers are downstairs. Do you remember that? And what does he, what does he say? Who are my brothers and brothers? These, these, you know, I'm, I'm preaching. I've got stuff to do. They're, they're kind of, you know, in, in between the lines, I kind of have to wait. Does this mean that he didn't care about his family? No, it doesn't. Do you remember when he was on the cross, when he looked at his mother and he looked and said, "That's, you know, take care of her. That's my mother. Jesus was in con constant contact with his father to help him manage the balance of his life. What's important for now? What matters most now? What should I be doing now? How does this day or this season need to contribute to what I am here for? And we all have that. You know, we all have seasons in our lives where one thing might need more of our attention to the detriment at times of others. And that's true. There's seasons in our lives. And we know and we can recognize them because we're doing life in the context of that meta-calling. Remember, going back to why am I here? We can begin to recognize those seasons and feel okay about the apparent imbalance when we understand what we're here for. You know, sometimes we try to lock it down. We've had this little, you know, you hear people say, you've got to do it like this. You've got to have God, and then your family, and then your work, and then church. You know, you have those things, this is the order. You know, and that's actually a myth, because there are times when, we abs when work absolutely has to take more time than usual, while other things need to take a back seat. We all know that. You know, we, we've experienced that in our work, or in our, in our careers, and our callings. Just as there's times when family needs inordinate amount of time where other things just need to take a back seat because our family just needs to take time. We recognize that season. And ministry too. There's times when ministry just needs to take time away from other things. You know, this week, Friday, I fly off again for three weeks. Would I rather be spending time with Sue? Probably. But we know that God's called me to do the things that I do when I teach and when i in different places. So ministry is going to, for the next three weeks, is going to take an inordinate amount of my time to the detriment of other things that I do. That's normal when we understand our calling. So we need to understand balance and understand the seasons in our life. And balance is never a once-off thing. It's never a set-and-forget kind of thing. It needs our attention all the time. 
Just like Jesus, we also need to keep in close contact with God through his Holy Spirit. You know, he, Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit to live in. He said he would be the counselor. He, he'll tell you. He'll help you. He'll, he's there to help you. He's here to help you understand how you are to live. We need to keep in contact with God through his Holy Spirit to be able to discern what's most important in light of our real purpose. Ask him to help us know the seasons in life, the big seasons and sometimes the shorter ones and smaller ones, the bigger and longer ones. That's how Jesus did it. He knew what he was supposed to be doing today or this week or when he was going here. He knew that in light of his big calling, this is now what's got to be most important. And we need to learn and grow to understand that ourselves. And when we understand our purpose, and I I can't stress that first point enough because it's big, but when we understand our purpose, when we get that meta calling, when we begin to look for understanding and balance to understand seasons, then, and this is the third thing I want to talk about, we make choices and we trust God with our priorities. Because you've got to choose sometimes, don't you? It doesn't, or you can't, you know, this, this um, I know I picked on the young adults, but you can't do all that in a week, can you? You've got to make choices. There's a party you're just not going to go to, and they're going to hate you forever, right? You know? There's, oh, well, maybe for the Superman ones, we can do. Um, you know, the girlfriend probably does need more than once a week, at least a phone call, guys, you know? But we have to make choices. We still have to choose what to do. Just because we've understood our meta calling, just because we've now understood balance and everything, doesn't mean that it's all going to come falling to our lap. We still need to be mature and make choices. But we need to trust God. We still have to choose what to do. God has given us that capacity. Our perception of who we are and why we exist in the world around us, those are the things that will shape our choices. And our choices will be based on the priorities that we have set for ourselves. And this is really important. This is where we need to continue to grow. Is my career the most important thing? Are my desires and goals the most important things? You know, retirement, security, wealth, popularity, status, I could go on. Are they the most important things? Are my kids and my family the most important thing? You know, their education, their sporting events and everything. Is ministry the most important thing? Is my reputation or status or popularity most important? Is my relationship with that significant other, is that the most important thing? These are all things that run through our mind. And the truth is, they all have importance. And none of them are bad things. You know, none of those, in the stories, the the thing I read before, none of that's bad stuff, that's all good stuff. Soccer games... Beer and chips, I think that's good stuff. You know, parties. They're good things. But they find the right place and they take the right space in our lives when we trust God to guide our choices. However, as humans, often these things and the the other things in our lives can elevate themselves above God and His place in our lives. And that is where we end up out of balance. The out of balance comes when the things that that we want for our life begin to raise up above the things that God might want for our life. And we haven't checked and we haven't remembered. And then we begin to feel out of balance. You know, God cares a lot about our families and our kids. He cares a lot about our careers 
and our desires. He cares a lot about the ministry that we get involved in, the ministry input, the reason that he's given you talents and gifts to serve the body. But he cares most that we live surrendered to him and to his purpose for his glory. And we can trust him to help us prioritize. That's what God does. That's why we have the word. That's why we have people around us that help us understand the word. Our first choice and our priority is the kingdom of God in our lives. And then, through our lives, where he leads us. And this happens in every context. You don't just apply that to ministry. We understand that our priority is the kingdom of God in our lives, in family. We understand that that's true in work. We understand that that's true in ministry, socially. We've got to understand that we are here for God's purposes, whether that's socially whether that's career-wise or whether that's ministry-wise, that there is no divide between where God calls us to be for Him and where other parts where God doesn't call us to be for Him. We all know that scripture in Matthew 6, you know, where Matthew 6 talks about money and, and possessions and ends up talking about worry and, and, and finishes like this. I think I've got it on the slide at the bottom there, you know, where... Um, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. We all know that and that's right at the bottom end of, of Jesus talking about worrying and, and stressing and, and all these things. And, and that's what out of balance lives are, aren't they? They worry. Lack of balance, feeling over busy, stressing, it's all a form of worry. Jesus is talking about worries of the world and the goals and its goals, the worries of the world and its goal and what its goals bring. Yet we were designed to be kingdom people. He takes care of the rest. Someone said it like this. I've got one other smaller, shorter quote for you. Until the Lord returns, we are all both creatures and Christians. That is, we're citizens of heaven, enjoying some of the benefits of glory now, but we're also subject to the frailties and weakness of our humanity. What we really seek and use the term balance for is the capacity to persevere, to make it to the end, still rejoicing in serving our God. That's what God promises us, that we'll persevere. That if we understand our, our purpose, that we will still be able to persevere. We'll still have what it takes and still be rejoicing and serving our God. You know, the questions on life balance and busyness, it's... This is a help, some of this, but it's inadequate, I know. If we're, if we're feeling out of balance or we're too busy or overwhelmed, we're neglecting part of what we believe our life is supposed to be about, we might need to just remember these three things that we talked about. We live and we're alive for the purposes of God. We need help to understand balance and seasons. And we need to continue to make choices trusting God with our priorities and our future. Do you need help with that? I do and often. I often need help. I often get out of kilter. I often get so busy. You know, this morning we were talking about the service. It's going to be so busy. Ironic. This service was going to be so busy and here we are talking about busyness. <laughs> I need help with that. I need... I need a community around me to, to help me understand the season that I'm in and to understand 
um, balance. I need need people, a community of people, to remind me that why 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 I'm here, what what God, what they see in me, what they feel like God has called me to do, and and to remind me to look back and to understand what God's doing, and then people sometimes to help me make good choices. I'm a human. I don't always make good choices by myself. None of us do. We need community. That's why we're community. That's why Jesus just didn't say to everybody, just on Sundays, just get out of bed earlier, sit in the corner and have a worship service. He said, gather together as the family of God, as a community of people, because you need each other. You do. And you might think, you don't look around and you think, if this is all I've got, I'm in more trouble than Flash Gordon. No, you're not. There's an abundance of God's wisdom and love in this room, in this community, in the communities that you're part of. I need community to sometimes put the brakes on me or to help me to reset my GPS and, and to where I'm going, to pray for me, to pray with me. Do you? Hmm. You know, I want to, um, we're, gonna sell, we're really busy this morning because we're going to do Lord's Supper as well. You know? But it's good. Because it fits in, you know, we might be busy, but there's one thing that Jesus told us to do when we gather together as a community. He told us to stop and to do this regularly, together. And it was to remember and believe. You know, that's why he gave us Lord's Supper. He gave us communion, whatever you're used to calling it, where he said, you know, stop, get together and remember and believe. Remember what makes you what makes you a community? Why are you together? Remember what it is that you have in, in common and believe. Remember that Jesus came with a purpose. Jesus was busy. Jesus made choices. And all because he knew the greater goal of his life was to redeem our relationship with the Father, you and me. A relationship that he knew was good because he was right in it. He experienced it. He knew what it was like to be in right relationship with his Father in heaven. And he wanted that for us. His Father and him wanted that. And he knew that his greater goal, his purpose for being here was to redeem us. He knew that we could never adequately deal with our sin. That our sin would captivate us forever if he didn't step in. Unless he purposed to live and die here on earth, in our place. It cost him to live the purpose. He knew his purpose, point one, but it cost him to live that purpose. It cost him everything. And we are called, but also have the privilege to remember that, to celebrate that and believe that it was for us, for every one of us. And now we too have a purpose and a promise of that wonderful destiny. And that's what happens. Because you know, Jesus came with a purpose. Because Jesus came and was willing to live consistently with that purpose. We too now have a purpose. Because that relationship with our Father is restored, we're back in line and we too have that same purpose. And we get the same capacity as Jesus. So if you know that this morning, if you know that Jesus died for you, if you believe that Jesus gave his life to re-establish that relationship with the Father, if you know that you needed Jesus to deal with sin in your life, then I want to invite you, that we want to invite you to be part of remembering and believing this morning.
And so um, Jesus did it like this when he was with his disciples and he modeled it for us. And, and while they were relaxing and, and still hanging out and eating, he, he stood up and he, he took the bread and he, uh, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Remember and believe that it was for the forgiveness of your sin, that my body would be broken for the forgiveness of all your sin. And then he, he put that down and he took the cup of thanksgiving and, and um, he poured it in front of them and he said, this is a cup of blessing. This is my blood that was given for you. This is to wash away all your sin. When you drink, remember that. Remember that I gave myself, that I, my, my body was broken and my blood was shed so that you could have forgiveness of sins, so that you could be with me in glory. Remember and believe that. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that this morning we get to remember and believe that as a community, that we recognize that as we sit here, we're redeemed folk. We are people that are no longer under the curse, no longer in captivity of sin and misery. But we get to look forward with excitement and anticipation to the future that you have for us in eternity with you. That we don't only get to look forward to that in eternity, but we get to acknowledge that our purpose is restored right now, even now, as we live here on earth. And that we get to live that in these days already. And we thank you for that. We thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'd like